Hey, this is Pastor Michael Alfaro from The Calling Church. I'm so excited that you're listening to our church podcast. I pray that it blesses you and encourages your faith. And I'm so excited to preach to you this morning. Uh, We're going to be talking about Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to be talking about the doctrine of incarnation a little bit. Come on, I love theology. I think theology is is significant. And we're going to be talking about the significance of the incarnation of Christ. You said, Pastor Michael, what is that? What is the incarnation? We're going to be talking about that, all right? Charles Spurgeon said, uh, there are three significant doctrines in the Christian faith. One is the incarnation. One is the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In other words, you can't have a resurrection and you can't have a crucifixion without the incarnation of Jesus. So the title of my message this morning is God with us. Powerful words right there. God with us. There's an old story of a Persian king who was very rich and affluent, very well known. But what he would often do is he would sneak out of his palace and sometimes miss the, 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 the palace dinner, the feast. And he would sneak out in the neighborhood and be with his people. He really wanted to know their heart. He really wanted to know their troubles. He really wanted uh, to, feel, to feel their pain and know what they're going through. Oftentimes he would sneak out. He'd wear a cloak and look like a peasant. He'd look poor. He would, he would be eating with people who never knew who he, who he was. Finally, one time he went out to eat with a very poor man. This man was so poor, he lived up in the cellar and he had very, a very coarse dinner. And finally, the Persian king just, was just so excited. He, he just wanted to reveal himself. So he took off his cloak and said, I'm your king. The peasant was so, uh, uh, it sounds funny to say peasant, but the poor man was so thrilled and amazed and yet scared. He said, oh my gosh, what are you doing here with me? Uh, uh, you're eating the food that I eat when you could be eating that palace food? The king told him, I just wanted to be with you and share my heart with you and know uh, the heart of my people. And the poor man said, uh, the king actually thought the poor man was going to ask him for a favor or ask him for special gifts, but he didn't. The poor man said, man, you give rich gifts. uh, To the rich, you give amazing gifts. But today you've given me yourself. I want to talk to you today, this morning, about the incarnation of Jesus Christ and the implications of the incarnation and how significant the incarnation, the nativity story is for the world and for humanity. Oh, come on, somebody. There is hope for humanity. There is hope for the world because God, watch this, became a man. That's what the incarnation means. The doctrine of incarnation is that God became the son of, uh, the, the son of God, became a flesh Born of the son, born of a virgin, conceived of the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. These are some of the important tenets of the Christian faith. This morning, I want to give you some principles about the incarnation and what that means for people like me and you, and what that means for the world, especially in the times in which we live. My first point is this: because of the incarnation of Jesus Christ, it means. Watch this, that God is not distant. Write that on the chat right now. God is not distant. God is not over there. God is right here. Come on, somebody. God is not over there. You know, most of the world, watch this. Christianity stands alone in this doctrine and in this faith, in our faith. Watch this. It stands alone in this, that God so loved the world that he sent his, one, his, sent his one and only son, that God became a man. 
Think about that. Think about the wonder of that. Think about the significance of that. Most world religions, humanity has to do its very best to be in God's good graces. Humanity has to appease an angry God or appease God. But watch this. Humanity has to do its best to reach out to God. But watch this. God in Christianity, Christianity teaches us this, that God has reached out to humanity through the person of Jesus Christ. Think about that. What an amazing gift to the world. What an amazing gift to treasure in our hearts today, this morning. God is not over there. God is right here. Think about that. God, who is from all of eternity, who dwells in all of eternity, stepped out of a timeless eternity to be in a moment in time with us. God, who created all things and, 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 and all things hold together through him. Watch this, came to dwell among his own creation. You might think, oh, okay, whatever. Watch this. I'm gonna, I want you to put this in your pocket right now. Think about this. Watch this. Look at your dog, all right, later on today. Think about, do you love your dog so much that you would become a dog to reach your dog, to, to reach the neighborhood dogs, all right? You might think, Pastor Michael, why are you insulting us like that? God, is, God thinks of, just, just to let you know, God thinks of us worse than dogs. Or the Bible, I say it like this. God thinks of us as sheep, all right, which are not smarter than dogs, all right? C.S. Lewis said that. Watch this. God loved us so much that he reached out to us through becoming a man, being 100% divine and 100% human. I love what some of the other uh, scriptures say about Jesus' divinity and uh, uh, about the incarnation. Watch this. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 says this. The son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities or things uh, that have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. Watch this. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, in Jesus. Colossians 2.9 says, For in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. Uh, John chapter 1 verse 14, and I love how the passion says it. And so the living expression became a man to live among us. Uh, the NKJV will say uh, um, that God dwelt among us. Us. Think about the significance of that and how important is that. I think that's a huge message for the world today, even though we're in a pandemic, even though we're, the world might seem crazy, that there is good news that God, through the incarnation of Jesus Christ, there's hope for humanity. So in other words, God is not over there. God is right here with you and I. God was tired. God was hungry. God was born as a baby like me and you, humble to an infant, you being incarnated. God took naps, all right? God, Jesus hustled, all right? Just like me and just like you. But to ex further explore the significance of this passage, because what Matthew does is he takes this passage from the book of Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 and he puts it in his gospel and he places it as a fulfillment of the prophecy of the Messiah, all right? But in order to understand its impact today, all right, this is good theology and good teaching. We must understand what it meant then. Come on, somebody. What did this prophecy mean then? 
Isaiah is the prince of the, of, the, of the prophets. They say so many prophecies fulfilled, all right, and still being fulfilled. But what did this prophecy mean then to Isaiah? We got to go back 700 years ago. That's right. Isaiah prophesied this 700 years before the birth of Christ. And to give you some context, think about America. America is only 250 so-ish years. This is 700 years uh, before Jesus was born. There came a situation in Judah. And if you look in the genealogy of Matthew chapter 1, you can spot it. In my Bible, I put a star uh, where King Ahaz is. In the time of King Ahaz, all right, there came a situation where two armies, Ephraim and Aram, Aram, two kings came up against the kingdom of Judah, Ahaz, all right, to attack it. The Bible says that Ahaz was so shaken as, as a forest is shaken by the wind. So was Ahaz and so was the people. They're frightened, all right, just like a lot of us are today because of this pandemic. What am I going to do, Jesus? How am I going to make it, Jesus? What are we going to do through this situation? What have, what, how, how am I supposed to, you know, get through this? But watch this. Watch what Isaiah, Isaiah, God tells Isaiah to go to Ahaz. And he says to Ahaz in, in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, he tells, he tells him to stand in faith. He says, do not worry. The virgin uh, will give birth to a son and, and he will be called Emmanuel. And by the time that boy beca- has a bar mitzvah and is 13 years old, all right, these nations that you're worried about, they are going to be dismantled and decimated. All right. You will not have to worry because watch this. This child means that I am with you. Oh, come on, somebody. All right. Uh, what, is this, what does this mean? This was a sign to Ahaz. What Matthew does is he picks this up and he puts it in his gospel as a prophecy, excuse me, to be fulfilled as the Jewish king. In other words, uh, I like my teaching today. Come on, somebody. In other words, what God, what Matthew is trying to tell us, what God is trying, and heaven is trying to tell us is that he is with us even in this pandemic. He is with us in the world that we're seeing today. He is not forsaken us. He's not let us gone by. He is with us as we have faith and hope for humanity. Oh, come on, somebody. What a message for the world. What a message for humanity. God is with us. Oh, come on, somebody. Are you living like God is with you today? Are you or are you living as if God is not with you at all? Come on, somebody. God is with you. You ought to whisper that to yourself before you go see that boss. You ought to whisper that to yourself while you're in that crazy marriage. You ought to whisper that to that to your that to yourself as you're thinking those thoughts. God is with me. God is with me. God is for us. And God is with me because I believe in faith uh, of, uh, in Jesus Christ through the incarnation. There are so many great implications. And one of those is that God is not distant. God is not over there. God is right here. You got to understand this. Come on, somebody. You got to get this in your spirit. Buddhism doesn't even believe in a God. Judaism and Islam, you got to do your very best to perform the works of the law. And if you're uh, in Islam, by the time you go to heaven, hopefully your good works outweigh your bad works. But Jesus Christ came to us, the only son. Come on, somebody. Incarnate, wrapped himself in human flesh so that he can walk among us. And dwell within us, dwell with us, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, dwell within us. Oh, come on, somebody. God is with us. I talked a little bit about last week. Where is God? 
You might be wondering, where is he in your life? Where is he in this world? Just look at the picture of Christmas and let that tell you that God so loved the world that he walked among us, that he became tired, that he left all of the privileges of heaven and all of the the amazing things of heaven to dwell within his own creation, to show us how much he loves us. You got to understand that there's no other philosophy. There's no other religion in the world that holds these truths like Christianity, that God so loved us that he became one of us, subjected himself to human flesh, subjected himself to rejection and loneliness and isolation and to the cross of Calvary. Come on, somebody, you out there. God is with us. What a confidence booster. What a, what, if you have low self-esteem, you got to tell yourself, God is with me. He's not joyriding your, pig, or your back, all right, to do whatever you want to do. But he's with you when you believe in faith and you follow him and you're in alignment with him and his word. God is with you. My second point for today is that you are not alone. Humanity is not alone. The world is not alone because of the incarnation of Jesus Christ, because of Emmanuel, God with us. You know what the antithesis of Emmanuel, the, antith- the antithesis of God with us is loneliness. Is loneliness. Have you ever felt lonely in your life? Some of you, for, some of you right now watching, some of you in my church, you, you live alone. You're not married. You, you, you live alone. That's, not, that's just the situation. And this has been hard for you. You've been dealing with all of this pandemic, watching the news, dealing with headlines, dealing with your lo- just your low self-esteem or harboring bad thoughts. You live alone and you feel alone. Others of you, you live in a house full of people, but you feel alone because you don't express your feelings. You don't have a friend to turn to. You, 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 are, you feel alone, isolated. That's the, one of the worst things about this pandemic. God created humanity to never be alone. Remember, God told Adam, it's not good that man is alone. And I know we've been doing our very best to have online service and Zoom. And yet we still feel so lonely. But let me tell you right now, God who became a human being knows exactly what it is to be alone, to be isolated. Remember, Jesus was abandoned by the 12 disciples. Remember, Jesus was hanging on a cross all alone. Jesus was utterly rejected by his own people, rejected by his nation. Do you remember on the cross in Psalms 22 and in the Gospels, it says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus knows what it is to be alone. I want to let you know right now that if you feel lonely and isolated, maybe rejected and abandoned, you have a friend in the Savior, Jesus Christ, who can empathize with you and knows what exactly what it means to feel isolated and alone. But I want to explain a truth to you because of the incarnation and because of the cross. Do you know that because Jesus died on the cross, he felt utterly forsaken from the father because all the sin of the world dwelled on his shoulders. He felt isolated. He felt abandoned. I want to let you know right now the significance of what God has done for you so that you would never feel alone. In other words, he felt utterly rejected so that you can be accepted by the Father so that you will never have to be alone, so that there is always hope for humanity, so that the world would always know through Christmas that there is hope and that we are not alone, even in the worst and direst of times, that we are not 
alone. Come on, somebody. You're not alone in the struggles that you're going through. That's what Satan wants you to feel like. He wants you to be isolated, to be dealing with everything on your own, by yourself. But let me tell you right now, you're not alone in what you're struggling with. You're not alone in the dream. You're not alone in the family. You're not alone in the pain. You're not alone in the brokenness. You have another with you and you're not crazy. You're not tripping. Come on, somebody. Jesus Christ is with you. He is God with us. Sometimes what I do, actually a lot of times, I'm in my garage and I'm praying and I'm prophesying and I'm worshiping and my neighbors aren't too close. They're, you know, we live in a house or some, some ways away, so to speak, um, not too far away. But sometimes I feel like, man, am I too loud? Am I worshiping too loud? You know, but here's the reality. I'm not alone. And at this point, I don't care if they hear me. And I don't care if they, they, hey, is he by himself? No, I'm not. Jesus is with me. Come on, somebody. You got to get that in your spirit. No matter what you're going through today, you are not alone. You are never alone. The Bible tells us in Matthew 28, 18, that God will never forsake us nor leave us even until the end of the age. All right. I love um, uh, the third point. Watch this. He understands me because of the incarnation of Christ. Jesus gets me. Jesus gets you because Jesus put human skin on because Jesus was a human. He was tired. He was thirsty. At times he was frustrated. All right. He was sleepy. All right. He gets me. I love what Hebrews 4, 15 through 16 says. For we do not have a high priest. Watch this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with us, with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. We are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne. I love this verse, one of my favorite. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. No other religion can ever claim that. No other religion can uh, ever claim that. Why? Because God never became a man. God is in heaven, right, to them. Holy and unattainable and unapproachable. But right here in our faith, we have Jesus Christ who was born in a manger and Hebrews confirms that we can approach our God. So he's not over there. He's right here. And because he was human, he knows what it is to suffer. He, know what it, he knows what it is to go through it. I want to ask you a question this morning. How are you doing this Christmas? Maybe you feel abandoned. Maybe you feel rejected. Maybe you're broken. Maybe you're doing okay and that's amazing. And your faith has been growing. I'm so proud of you. All right. But this morning, if, if you're feeling broken and bruised, I want you to look at the nativity and think and think and in your Bible I want that to be a message to you that God has never forsaken you or forgotten you, that he's become like you and me, which is the world's greatest gift ever, all right, so that he can relate to us and understand us and minister to us and truly love us. I heard a story that kind of amazed me not too long ago. It's an incredible story of of a couple, uh, uh, of a husband and a wife, well, one day the husband's parents were, their house caught on fire. And this husband obviously was scared and did it, just raced to his parents' house because the house was on fire. He wanted to save them and he tried to save them, but he, got, he didn't get there in time. And while trying to save them, uh, they actually died in the fire. But while trying to save his family, his parents, he actually was badly uh, uh, disfigured in the fire, actually survived in the fire. Well, later on, 
Not too long after he was so uh, disfigured and filled with shame because he wasn't able to save his parents and filled, and, and, and filled with guilt that he hid himself in his house in a room and didn't want to come out. He didn't want to see his wife and his wife loved him so much. She, she loved him so greatly. And every, every day she would come and knock on his door. Honey, I, want, I love you. I want to see you. And nothing. He wouldn't answer the door. He wouldn't come to the, come to the door. So in her desperation, she went to a plastic surgeon and she said, Sir, my, my husband has been so badly burned and hurt. Um, do you help burn victims? And can you restore him? He's disfigured. And the plastic surgeon said, sure, I do this all the time. I'll just, you know, bring your husband to me. I'll fix him. This is what I specialize in. It'd be an honor. So she's so excited. She goes back to her husband and she knocks on the door. She says, honey, I found a plastic surgeon who can help you. I know that you're disfigured and you don't want me to see you this way, but I want to get you help. He'll help you. And, and she's, there's a pause. She's waiting for the door, to, for him to come to the door. Not even a step toward her. She, did, she didn't hear, even hear him walk toward the, toward the door. Not even a response. He was filled with such bitterness and hurt and anger that he couldn't save his parents and that he was so badly disfigured. So she's a little bit sad. And again, in her desperation, she goes back to the plastic surgeon. And she says, sir, I don't know what to do to get through to my husband. I haven't seen him for a long time. I just want him to know I love him. And he won't come see you to, for you to fix him. And she says, because I want to get through to him and I want to show him how much I love him. I want to ask you something odd, but I want you to do this for me. She said, I want you to disfigure my face so that I can actually see my husband and I can be with him. So she, she went back to the husband and she knocked on the door and she, she, she told him, I want you to know that I love you so much that I know that you're hurting and you're broken, but because I love you so much and I want to see you, I want to be with you, you're my husband. She said, uh, I'm asking the plastic surgeon to disfigure my face. Whether you like it or not, that's how much I love you. And there was a pause and very slowly and quietly, she started to hear his feet shuffle to the door. And the door opened. He opened the door and he embraced her. And he felt a little bit of humility. And she embraced him. But the reason he opened the door is because he didn't want her to go through what he did. And he was so amazed that she would go through utter lengths to display her love for him. The surgeon, of course, never agreed to do what she asked. But it is a wonderful picture of what Jesus would do for us. That he would become a human to relate to us to know us, to know what brokenness feels like, to walk the streets among his own creation, to tell them I love you, to look at the face of prostitutes and beggars and tax collectors, to show them grace and truth. Oh, come on, somebody. I don't know where you're at this morning, but you might feel like God is over there and God don't care. But let me tell you, God is right here and he became a human just like me and like you, having gone to the utter lengths he could possibly go to, something uncharacteristic of any religion in the world to show humanity, I love you. Come on, somebody, isn't that good? I believe like the husband as well, Jesus does not want you to go through what he went through. Jesus doesn't want you to suffer the penalty of sin. Jesus doesn't, the wages of sin is death, the Bible says, and it is utter separation from the, from the Father. 
Maybe you're struggling with sin this Christmas and you're dealing, you're a drug addict. Maybe, maybe you're doing things you shouldn't be doing. Let me tell you, God loves you so much that he died on the cross for you. That's how much he loves you. Taking the penalty and the shame of sin so that there would be eternal reconciliation between you and God and humanity and God. That's what this Christmas story means. God with us, God with me and God with you. Emmanuel, God loves you. God is with us. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. I pray that it blessed you. It's so vital to do life together. That's why I would love to invite you to the Calling Church. Bring a friend. We would love to meet you. Also, stay connected to our church via our website, the Calling Church app, or our social media. God bless you. Thank you.